This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we discuss what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. This is yours truly, Cherry Agarwal, and this week we are here to talk about the Bareilly couple who drew ire over intercaste marriage. Yes, it is 2019 and we're still talking about intercaste marriage. We'll also be talking about Assam floods, a student protest in Uttarakhand, which has been very underreported. We'll also be talking about the Karnataka fallout and more. Maybe a little bit about TikTok, right, Gaurav? A little bit, yeah. And a little bit about Tripura Panchayat polls. For this, we have with us our in-house panelists, as I mentioned, Gaurav Sarkar. Hi, Gaurav. Hi, Cherry. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, <laughs> and you were here on time. so it Not is on time. I was here early today. Very early. Let's it was a very good morning. Hi, Basan. Hello. How are you? And how are you guys doing? Finally, some relief from all this humidity. Temporary relief, I think you mean. I really hope this continues for a little bit. Today is going to be बॉम्बे the other side See, on the panel I for sure i will alone defend delhi and its polluted air and you both can sit and talk about the potholes that the next time you're bitching about delhi and the weather then i'll <laughs> hold you to record then <laughs> i'll be like that conversation was off the record gorav you can't quote me but ayush is not here he's again on a chutti okay maybe i'm lying a little bit he's out reporting but kunal welcome to reporters thank you for joining us thank you for having me here let me begin by asking you what's the difference between an independent journalist and a freelancer i mean i don't see i think it's more the semantics of it uh, mm-hmm. you know i i think increasingly what we're all seeing is that uh, there are a lot of journalists who don't want to be again associated with with any organization uh who want to call themselves independent in the way that uh, we we're, we're obviously seeing the polarization that's happening in the media as mm-hmm. well uh and increasingly people are saying that you know an independent journalist will be one where even if their stories get suppressed in certain organizations there's always someone else who'll then prop the story up um so i i don't think there's a difference as such but i think it's more the semantics and the and a sign of the times that we also live in okay gorov pasant do you guys think you can be independent while working with an organization do you think it's possible no i don't i think it's a very it's a very thin line and realistically you can't be an independent journalist when you have an allegiance towards a certain publication or a certain newsroom basant mai bhi nahi kar sakta kyunki pata nahi bahar ki kya sthiti india se bahar lekin india mein jo freelance journalist hote hain unko paise hi samay pe nahi milte mai kai aise logo ko janta hu jo 6 6 mahine se intezar kar rahe hain ki khabar to publish ho gayi organization us khabar ko khub becha bhi lekin unko paise hi samay pe nahi bhej rahe hain तो कैसे काम करेगा कोई बिना पैसे के फील्ड पे जाना भी मुमकिन नहीं है मैं तो नहीं कर सकता कम से कम अगले दस सालों तक कुछ पैसे वैसे सेव कर लूँगा फिर कर सकता हूँ 
बिल्कुल बिल्कुल आई मीन और और काफ़ी सारे सारे ऑर्गेनाइजेशन ऐसे भी हैं जो आपको आपसे स्टोरी तो चाहते हैं लेकिन दे डो वॉन्ट टू गिव यू द मनी टू ट्रेवल सो यू आर बेसिकली एक्सपेक्टेड टू यू नो स्पेंड योर ओन मनी सब्सिडाइज दैट जर्नलिज्म एंड देन गो आउट एंड वॉट देन हैपन्स इज एज बसन सेड freelancing and or independent journalism becomes a space for the privileged i keep talking about mm. this mm. Uh, you know i i don't think organizations realize this enough that you know someone who's from the middle class low middle class can never actually be a freelance journalist you know It's only someone tough. who doesn't have uh, very basic bare minimum concerns can actually be here uh, which is also i mean i'm reflecting on my own privilege i have a house in mumbai i live with my family i don't have to pay rent but i'm guessing anyone else who has to have all of those expenses mm. can't actually be a freelance journalist sir कई बार ऐसा नहीं होता कि जो मीडिया ऑर्गेनाइजेशन है ऐसा आपको महसूस कराते हैं कि आप एहसान कर रहे हैं आपकी खबर पब्लिश करके बिल्कुल बिल्कुल नहीं सच में ऐसा होता भी है यू नो एंड देन स्पेशली व्हेन यू फाइट फॉर इट आई हैड इंस्टेंसेस वेयर आई हैड टू फाइट विद एडिटर्स बिकॉज देव नॉट क्लैरिफाइड ऑन द मनी यू नो दे रिफ्यूज टू पे मी अटन अमाउंट एंड दे वो मुकर जाते हैं अपनी बात से स्टोरी आ गई पब्लिश हो गई इमीजिएटली फिर दो तीन महीने तक आपकी ई को रिस्पॉन्ड नहीं करेंगे और जब आप उनको थोड़ा सा बैजर करो तब वो आप पे उल्टा वार कर देंगे कि भाई आपकी तो स्टोरी लेनी नहीं आगे आई जस्ट वॉन्टेड टू एड टू द पॉइंट ऑफ प्रिवलेज वे यू टॉकिंग अबाउट इट इज़ ऑल्सो अबाउट नेटवर्किंग राइट इफ आई एम जस्ट बिगनिंग माई करियर आई के नॉट बी एन इंडिपेंडेंट जर्नलिस्ट बिकॉज आई वुड नो हू टू पिच टू हाउ टू पिच टू or sort of if the editor is not responding who else i can approach in the organization who could speak to the editor so this sort of networking and also the social media pressure that i could build as an influencer if my pitch is being rejected or if an editor is not responding or if my pitch is being used without my information that would only come from me having a network uh, so you know i also want to point out that maybe this is the case that when you're an independent journalist or a freelancer at least you have that sanctity of mind that my story is something that is my idea and it's my execution it's not somebody else's vision that's tampered with that particular story so i guess that particular sanctity of mind also comes into play and you're kept more sane at the end of it i also wanted to tell our listeners that we'll be joined by a brilliant political reporter anusha ravi from karnataka she will be the one giving us all the details about what's happening in karnataka where do we stand what are the options that the mlas uh, and the speaker has and what does the future of the congress look like but before we go to anusha i want to begin with gorov gorov what do you think has been over reported over the past week what has the media not covered um Well, I think something that's been underreported, especially in the news, is the Assam floods that have mm-hmm. been going on since the past week. You know, there's uh, anywhere between twenty-four to sixty-four lakh people have been affected, and fifteen uh, people have died so far in the Assam floods till mm-hmm. now. Another piece of news that really, st- like, really stood out this week was this Facebook page that was created as a joke initially, saying "Let's storm Area Fifty-One in the U.S.", mm-hmm. which is uh, a site of alien conspiracy in the U.S. since since decades right now. and it was created as a joke uh, mm-hmm. saying that you know we will storm area 51 on uh, 20th september 2019 i'm just waiting for a butt to drop uh, there's actually no butt in this because okay. it started <laughs> about 2 weeks back and there are over a million people who have subscribed to the page saying that you know we are going to do this and it's obviously inspired a lot of jokes and memes on the internet but the us air force came out and uh, g- came out and gave a statement yesterday saying that you know we test us air traffic vehicles over here so it really wouldn't be safe for you guys to come and come storming through right here These are two pieces of news that I thought really stood out this week. Mm. Uh, Kunal, you also wanted to talk about Assam floods. Did you also think it was underreported? Absolutely. I mean, I feel like uh, you know, if if we not just look at Assam, but we look at UP, Bihar, parts of the northeast, uh, they've just not been reported. You know, you don't see any sense of outrage. You don't see prime time news. 
you know you don't see reams of newsprint uh, you know the other day i was looking at national newspapers and i could see like a 150 you know word brief on the assam floods mm-hmm. uh, and on 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 the floods generally you know and, and then i saw like a figure which said 7 million people affected across all of these states um and the worst part is that there's actually more heavy rainfall forecast for the next few days mm-hmm. uh, you know so at a time when we anyway know that our our relief operations can be very shoddy uh, you know they're often politically uh, sort of uh, sources of patronage mm-hmm. when you know that there's no media pressure uh, at the national level you know that the relief operations ultimately go down the drain and people are left marooned they're left you know stranded without any relief so why do you guys think bombay rains get so much airtime and print space than let's say assam floods which sort of are as annual an occurrence as bombay rains and bombay we understand the cause being you know a sort of reclamation of land and mm-hmm. there's no space for the water to go back seep underground mai is pe comment nahi karta ki amir log rehte hain लास्ट टाइम इसने पॉडकास्ट पे बॉम्बे रेंज के टाइम पे यही बोला था कि अमीर लोग रहते हैं बट आई एम ग्लैड यू ब्रॉड दिस बॉम्बे पैरलिम्बर द अमाउंट न्यूज चैनल कवरिंग द बॉम्बे रेंज ड्यूरिंग प्राइम टाइम आफ्टरनून न्यूज पेपर्स एवरी वेड वॉज ऑन द फ्रंट पेज ऑफ सो मनी न्यूज पेपर्स बट देर नो डेट्स दैट हैपन इन द बॉम्बे रेंज राइट नाउ यू हैव अबाउट ट्वेंटी फोर पीपल हुव डाइड इन बिहार देर हैव बिन यू नो रिलीफ टीम्स दर हैिप्लॉय देर आर कैम्प्स दर आर सेट अप नितिश कुमार इज टेकिंग एरियल सर्वेज एंड ऑल but i guess the disparity lies in the fact that bombay is a metropolitan city with like the financial hub of the country you know at the end of it we all know for a fact that the northeast is lesser reported on because of various issues but when it comes to a factor of deaths due to flood flooding the media should have given more reportage or more space in the in the media to uh, these deaths and to the floods that are happening there comparatively i also feel that bombay floods now it's just become a trend you know like every year after year it happens and you just want to slam the bmc you want to come out and talk about the poor infrastructure so it's become a certain trend and it's important to break that trend and give importance in places where it's actually deserved okay why are assam floods happening like in bombay we know it's the capacity of the storm water drains are really less More reclamation of land as i mentioned before what's the reason for flooding in assam I think one of the reasons uh, that I've been reading upon is is also uh, the fact that a lot of the rivers that flow through the region come from and and originate in in China and Bhutan. Mm-hmm. Now all of these areas have actually received very he- heavy rainfall uh, and you know as a result of which the water then comes gushing down. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're always underprepared for these floods it seems. Every single year we see the same sort of relief operations and then demands for better embankments which never happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the reasons that I know of. And uh, at least from some NDTV reports that I've been reading the water level in Guwahati is rising at the rate of at the speed of 2 to 3 cm per hour which is oh. expected to increase wow. over the coming week right now so has there been any reportage on how we going to deal with this like as kunal mentioned it's an annual affair uh so i don't see any way you can de- certainly deal with a natural calamity except for like damage control that is no, probably no i mean if it is the flooding is happening because of opening of dams because you know upstream there is excessive rainfall and water collection and therefore the dams are being opened and hence flooding is happening down the stream mm. then i don't know collection of water or diversion of water there are different solutions i am no expert in this i think some of the solutions undertaken by the state right now in assam is basically uh, evacuating people about 75000 mm-hmm. people have been evacuated from assam and they have set up various relief camps where they are being housed right now but how do you really deal with a natural calamity you don't get heads up with natural calamities it's all about ground zero what do you do to just damage control the entire situation okay 
So there's one thing uh, here which is also also re relevant to Bombay and we often talk about it. In disaster management, there's a very good practice of demarcating flood lines. So wherever you have, you know, your, your water resources uh, flowing, mm -hmm. you basically demarcate those flood lines and say these are potential areas okay. of flooding. And then you take measures to ensure that, okay, let's say we do witness flooding. These are the areas you evacuate immediately. But that never does seem to happen neither in Bombay nor in Assam. And yeah. to my understanding, please correct me guys if I'm wrong, there shouldn't be construction on floodplains. Ideally, yes. Not having construction in Bombay is uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a very low chance. There's always something or the other being constructed in Bombay. Okay. Moving on, uh, Kanal, you were covering the Congress in Maharashtra. What... And there have been whatever just remains of the Congress, yes. <laughs> Actually, whatever remains of the Congress, because there's been such a spate of resignations. I've just been having a tough time tracking who's resigning from where, from what post. What future for the Congress do you see? And could you tell us about the state of the Congress in, let's say, Maharashtra or the other states that you've been tracking? So you were saying... And the big question is, who will be the next president? Oh, of the party, yes. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's... You know, so, so Congress in Mumbai and Maharashtra have a, have a slightly unique history because obviously it was also the city where it was born, the party. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also the city which has traditionally been, you know, the big place of garnering funds for the party. Mm -hmm. So we've seen a lot of influential leaders rising out of Mumbai Congress. And as a result of which, there are also a lot of factions because increasingly different people wanted to become big leaders, wanted to appeal to the high command. So, you know, there was always that fact fight. Mm -hmm. uh, now what we are seeing is that the Congress is in a unique position because it's been out of power for this will be the second term, you know, if it if it loses in Maharashtra again. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the longest that the Congress will be out of power in the state. And the Congress is not used to being out of power, you know. So we're in, we're in that position where there are still factions, uh, you know, where there are still people who are fighting with each other, but there's nothing left to fight for in terms of patronage, right? Uh, and that's exactly what we're seeing. So we now have a situation where they've just recently now appointed a state chief, you know, mm -hmm. for all this time after the elections, we didn't have a state chief in a state which goes to elections in, in September, end or October at the most. Uh, we now don't have a Mumbai chief, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because Milindevra took charge just before the elections, literally a month before the elections, and now then resigned immediately after because he wanted a bigger national role. Uh, you know, so we, we're seeing all of that infighting now coming up. Milindora is from a is from a South Bombay constituency, Absolutely. right? He stood, if I'm he, not wrong, and he has a particular he has a good clout in South Bombay anyway. Generally, amongst like councillors and corporators, and even with the resident welfare associations and all. But uh, this declining trend of the Congress, uh, do you think it has something to do with the strengthening of BJP and Sena ties as well? Uh, does that have a particular role in it? Uh, to a certain extent, but I feel like what has increasingly happened is, firstly, the Congress is completely, even in Mumbai, has ignored its organization completely, sure. you know, so uh, on major issues like demonetization, GST, again, these were issues which affected Mumbai very deeply because we had traders, you know, you had the businessmen, everyone, but we could barely see the Congress making noise about it. So in order to stay relevant, the Congress was not doing enough to justify its space as the opposition. Uh, and if, if that's the case, then the, then the BJP Sena literally have a walkover you know sure uh, so they actually lost the elections very badly in Mumbai the civic polls in Mumbai two years ago uh, they lost these elections where mm -hmm. once upon a time in Mumbai they would win all the six seats yeah. uh, you know till till as recent as 2009 and now we're seeing the Congress not even able to bag one seat but sir I wanted to know that BJP 
काफ़ी मतलब मुझे लगता है अंठानवे से लेकर दो तक कांग्रेस रही पिछले पाँच सालों में ऐसा क्या हुआ कि कांग्रेस बिल्कुल मतलब अपने आप को संभाल ही नहीं पा रही है इस्तीफे पे इस्तीफे हो रहे हैं और लगातार चुनाव में हार का सामना करना पड़ रहा है इसके पीछे वजह क्या है जबकि इतने बड़े बड़े लीडर हैं वहाँ पे दो तीन मुख्य पूर्व मुख्यमंत्री अभी हैं वहाँ पे एंड इफ आई मे जस्ट पिगी बैक ऑन दिस क्वेश्चन एंड जस्ट एड टू दैट वन यू वर टॉकिंग अबाउट मिलन देवरा एंड वी वर डिस्कसिंग द स्पेट ऑफ रेजिग्नेशन वॉट इज इट दैट द कांग्रेस पार्टी इज मिसिंग दैट पीपल डू नॉट वॉन्ट टू स्टे विद द पार्टी इज इट द आइडियोलॉजी इज इट What is the reason behind this lack of loyalty? Is what I'm trying to understand. और इसी में चीज और मैं जोड़ना चाह रहा था आपने कहा जीएसटी और नोटबंदी को लेकर इन लोगों ने सवाल नहीं उठाया सूरत जो गुजरात का एक शहर है वहाँ पे काफी ज्यादा कांग्रेस ने वहाँ पे राहुल गांधी ने वहीं पे कहा था गब्बर सिंह टैक्स लेकिन सूरत में जो नतीजे रहे सारी की सारी सीटें बीजेपी के पक्ष में गया तो क्या आपको लगता है कि जी या नोटबंदी से लोगों पे असर पड़ता नहीं देखिए एक है कि ओपोजिशन का काम है कि आप इश्यूज उठाएं उसका रिजल्ट आए ना आए लेकिन आप अगर वो पहले कदम पे ही अगर आप इशू उठाना छोड़ दें कि भाई इसका तो आउटकम ही नहीं आता तो देन यू लूजिंग दैट फाइट एट द वेरी बिगिनिंग इट सो दैट्स दैट्स वन थिंग दी अदर एस्पेक्ट ऑफ द कांग्रेस इज डिक्लाइन इज एज आई सेड वन यू नो देव नेवर बीन आउट ऑफ पावर सो एस्पेशली इन मुंबई एंड एस्पेशली इन महाराष्ट्र लॉर्ड ऑफ द कांग्रेस लेगेसी हैज़ बीन टाइड टू यू नो डिफरेंट इंडस्ट्रीज इन डिफरेंट सेक्टर्स नाउ वी वॉल नोन ऑफ the sugar cane industry and how you know it's so intrinsic to maharashtra's politics uh, once you start losing power and once you know you have a, a very aggressive bjp entering all of those sectors now it's tried to make inroads into that sector as well you know which is the bastion of sharad pawar and a lot of other western maharashtra congress leaders once you start losing that you know that you have to then follow the money and go where the power is so which is why we saw a lot of the congress and the ncp leaders jumping ships and going to the bjp okay. uh, and at the same time i feel like uh, the stories that i've heard of congress leaders at the grassroots being so absolutely clueless and shell shocked in the last 5 years mm-hmm. unko pata hi nahi tha respond kaise kare uh, you know matlab bjp is coming out with one agenda after the other there is clearly no direct party line coming down mm-hmm. saying how do you respond what do you do so uh, i feel like these are a couple of reasons that i could fathom it sounds like they're a little bit groping in the dark in maharashtra because like and they're a little clueless as to what to do in the face of an aggressive bjp campaigning that's going on cause also like the shiv sena known to work from the ground level upwards right their voice on the ground is always very strong on top of that you have the bjp aggressively nationally aggressively campaigning so it just looks like the congress is in a void where you know just grasping for straws ki bhai hame pehle kadam pe hi hum log kya kare this actually gives me a very good segue to reach out to anusha and get her to come on board and speak about what's happening in karnataka and what's happening between the jds and the congress and is the congress also like having no strategy over there and what does karnataka for the congress look like anusha the panel was just discussing about how the congress may not have a strategy when we talk about elections and how they may have come back or how they may come back to power what is happening with congress in karnataka and what options does the coalition have could you tell us about what's the fallout all about well if you say if you start off with uh, asking if the congress has a strategy at all did it have it in the first place when it decided to go with the jds with the question the entire idea was to just keep the bjp out of power and that seems to be the focus even as of today Now look at the numbers. That's the, the way they're stacked up. From 118, and they formed the coalition government with 37 seats of the JDS plus one of the B, uh, BSP and the rest, and about 79 seats of the Congress. The coalition started off with 118, and today they're spread after about 16 resignations of MLAs. 
which are still under consideration by the Assembly Speaker as well as the petition in the Supreme Court, and two independents who joined their support to the government. It's about 102, including the Speaker and a nominated member of the House. Now, that is where the number stands. Compare that to a BJP that has about 100 members of its own. And then two other independents who have jumped ship conveniently in the last, in the last uh, 16, no, 13 months. These two independents have jumped ship at least twice, and now they stand with the BJP, taking their total number to 107. Everything boils down to tomorrow, um, day after, Thursday, when a trust vote, debate on a trust vote will begin in the Kanaka Assembly. And irrespective of what the, how the numbers stack up for both these uh, sides, the opposition as well as the government, what matters is how many people are in the House present on the day proceedings begin, and on the day of the trust vote, how many people will end up voting for each side. And... Honestly speaking, the coalition is looking for a miracle of sorts. They have their members sorted out. Their MLAs are already in resorts and hotels. Incidentally, the BJP's members are also in hotels. It looks almost like the Vidhan Sada and the Secretariat in Karnataka. The Vidhan Sada is pretty much empty and everything remo remotely related to administration is all being run by hotels and resorts. The hotels and resorts in Maharashtra. Quite ironic, really, that representatives of people will choose to sit in a place where common man has no access to them whatsoever. Um, politically speaking, yes, this is a crisis situation, but this has been the scenario in Karnataka for 13 months, ever since the coalition government came together to keep uh, sing, uh, the single uh, highest seat gaining BJP in the assembly election. Mm. On Thursday, when on Thursday when they all sit together and finally decide on who gets to continue, whether this coalition gets to continue in, uh, in power or if any other party needs to stay clean. One question remains now, what is the root cause of all of this confusion or the crisis that, you know, that Kanaka has been facing in the last few months? Mm -hmm. Look at administration, for example. Um, Farm loan waiver is the single most open about scheme that has come forward in this coalition. There are plans, there are gra uh, grand schemes, including a, a, a guaranteed clean drinking water supply to every single household, rural uh, rural uh, Kanaka and every single household in Janadare, but that is only in concept uh, stages. Nothing has been done to implement this. Look at uh, the drug situation in the state. It's about 25 out of the 30 districts in Kanaka have been declared as drought hit. Mm -hmm. And if today the state is running, it's not because of politicians, honestly. It's only because bureaucrats have taken it upon themselves to at least do something about the situation. Mm -hmm. um, we also speak about how this entire horse trading is what is the word that politicians choose to use mm -hmm. for the MLA, for these MLAs who are resigning and leaving or withdrawing support to the government and choosing to jump ship. But let us categorically understand that these MLAs who have resigned have resigned as members of the House. They have not resigned from the party. And so anti-defection doesn't apply. Uh, Anusha, I, Sorry? Yeah. So I had two yeah. questions, Anusha. One, like you mentioned, these guys, these MLAs have resigned from the House and not from the party. So what does anti, where do they stand on anti-defection? And second was, when we talk about media and when we talk about media's coverage of Karnataka, what has been the local media's coverage of this? And has it been very different from the mainstream media's reportage on the Karnataka political crisis? Uh, to answer your first question on anti-defection, now anti-defection is what the Congress and the JDS have been uh, threatening their MLAs with. They have uh, stated that, you know, jumping ship or rather even to join their support to uh, the coalition government will amount to anti-defection simply because these 
MLAs are acting under pressure. They have, they have not submitted their resignation out of their free will or have not submitted their resignations voluntarily. The Congress and the JDS believe that it is under the influence of the BJP. It is under the threat also. That's the word the coalition has used. The threats of the BJP coming directly from the central leadership of the Saffron Party using mm -hmm. central agencies like the CBI, IT and ED that these MLAs are being lured either by either with money and power or being pressurized using institutes to, um, you know, um, withdraw their support to the coalition. Mm -hmm. All of this amounts to action under the anti-reception law has been the Congress and the JDS's uh, claim. However, these MLAs have also categorically shaped. For example, in the Supreme Court, today their petitions are being heard and the court has also asked them the date when they resigned, why they resigned and on what grounds. They mm -hmm. believe that they will need to withdraw support to this government. Mm -hmm. So even as that case is being heard, the MLAs have categorically stated that they have not acted under any pressure. They cannot be bullied by the coalition to continue their support when they believe that administration, they've seen a breakdown in administration is what all of these MLAs have claimed. They have not, they have actually not been very kind to the coalition at all. They have um, made it very clear that they are, uh, they are acting on their own. But questions will definitely be raised on the way they have re resigned and then very conveniently herded into charter flights and taken away to Mumbai. Who do mm -hmm. these flights belong to? Why are leaders of the BJP being directly seen escorting these uh, rebel MLAs as they, as they get into flights and fly away to Mumbai or Pune or Correct. elsewhere? Why are uh, close aides of BJP leaders, for example, a PA of the state president uh, of the BJP here, Mr. B.S. Yudhurapa, his name uh, is... Uh, uh, and I, I forget, Santosh, yeah, Santosh, uh, the CEO of BS Yadurapa, has been mm -hmm. seen escorting each of these MLAs away from Bangalore. Now, yeah. naturally, they have all been captured on camera and questions are to be raised. Hmm. Now, to answer your second question, how has the media coverage over this entire issue has been? Mm -hmm. Over the last three weeks, every channel, every newspaper, irrespective of the language that it is printed or broadcast in, has only concentrated in the political turmoil that is that is prevalent in Karnataka, mm -hmm. whereas the state is also reeling under a hundred other issues. The key issues being drinking water supply to a city like Bangalore. There is water scarcity, there is a deficit monsoon, water levels in our dams are running so low, threateningly low. The water scenario is precarious, there is a drought situation in in 25 of the 30 districts here in Karnataka. Oh, perpetually wow. droughted. Some of these districts are perpetually droughted. While the government claims that it has already set aside money, uh, financial aids that are required to take care of the situation, what is required is implementation. Now, uh, you know, somebody like somebody like you and me who probably live in metro cities do not need our elected representatives as much. We do not depend on politicians too much for our day-to-day -day life. We know how to solve our problems. Mm -hmm. What do you... But will the same apply to somebody who's in a remote village in Bidar? Will it apply to somebody who's sitting in a remote village in Yadgir? Yeah. No, they all need their elected representatives far more. They need their elected representatives to be reachable to them. And here we see a scenario where MLAs who need to be in their constituencies right now addressing these issues, addressing water crisis, addressing drought issues. In some parts, for example, in coastal, interior coastal Karnataka, monsoon has hit and there is a surplus of rain. Whereas, come down to um, old Mysore region, the Bangalore, Kaveri catchment area, there is a monsoon deficit. Now, these are both issues that need to be addressed and can be addressed only by elected representatives. Mm -hmm. The situation is far more grim in 
say places that are facing a water crisis you need an mla there you need your elected representative there to ensure that they listen to your problems but where are these guys some of them are holed up in mumbai because they have withdrawn support to this government people of the bjp mm. uh, leaders of the bjp are holed up in a in a resort in yalahanka of bangalore sure. legislators of the congress are holed up in a in another five star hotel in bangalore and the legislators of the of the jds are holed up in a resort in jds where are the elected representatives who come and seek vote from you that is the bigger question and that is where perpetually failed hmm. in capturing the real crisis that is issues of drinking water drought issues of social security and you know uh, migration to cities because of lack of jobs Correct. over this entire hmm. political meme i think the real issues are being lost somewhere in the and this, you've raised some this, really um, important questions yeah. particularly about the role of the media uh thank you for giving us such deep insights and i think kunal has one final question for you before we can let you go hi anusha uh, if you could just you know tell us uh, does it does it really make sense looking at how aggressive the bjp is in how the congress uh, you know seems to be groping in the dark is is one of the strategies but before the congress jds to actually you know dissolve the assembly and go for re-elections considering that might win them more support or is that not an option you know speaking to you very honestly election is something that needs neither of the three parties would like right now they were we were this come out in the last one year karnataka has already seen three elections one assembly election one lok sabha election in between we also saw a by by election to uh, three lok sabha seats and uh, no two lok sabha seats and three assembly seats So we've seen a lot of elections in the last 13 months, and honestly, nobody wants an election. People do not want it. Voters do not want it. Bureaucrats do not want it. Politicians of every single party do not want it. But the BJP has an advantage. It works both ways for the BJP. For the Congress and the JDS, an election election should be the last resort. They neither have the resources nor have the time to build up the cadre that has lost quite a lot of ground through the BJP in the Lok Sabha elections. They neither have you know the strength to go back to people because they were in a coalition for 13 long months and the coalition has had its impact on their grassroots level leadership as well many many grassroots level leaders especially in the old mysore region have chosen to leave both parties and join the bjp or we see the migration of leaders from the congress to the jds and vice versa so they've lost a lot of ground and for them to rebuild it will take time and an immediate election is not going to serve their purpose Hmm. come to the bjp now the bjp has an advantage in terms of finance it has an advantage in terms of cadre however it does not have the confidence that it can win all the 105 seats that it holds as of now because uh, the infighting between the coalition partners yes people are getting tired of it but karnataka has had this streak of you know electing opposing governments at the center and the state now whenever karnataka has voted a party to power in the center it has always been another party that has come to power in the state in, in, that's been the trend largely the trend not necessarily compulsory but largely that has been the trend so the voter psyche is very uh, is very uh, categorical when they they know what they're voting for when they vote for a lok sabha election they know what they're voting for when they're voting for a, a state election and understanding this knowing this completely the bjp understand even now if they did go to full fledged election they will be dependent on the modi factor once again but will the modi factor help them largely in a state election is still a concern for the bjp however if they choose to go to by polls the bjp and the congress and jds is far more cons- are far more confident that if they did go to by polls in let's say if uh, 
16 of uh, out of 16 of these uh, resignations that have been submitted, all of them get accepted. Then 16 uh, constituencies have vacancies for MLAs, and all of them would just prefer a bypass and then decide where the numbers stand and how this government needs to be formed. Um, the biggest challenge within the BJP that a lot of people are refusing to acknowledge or, I don't know, particularly turning a blind eye, is one advantage the BJP will have in going to polls, uh, general elections instead of a bi-poll, is that they can now claim that the party has won on its own and not because of the influence of a leader like B.S. Yadurasa. Let's remember he has been the man who brought the BJP to power, gave the Sapin party its first full-fledged government in a southern state. Mm -hmm. And the entire credit goes to him for being a mass leader. Even today, if there is one single mass leader in Karnataka that has to be BSA Yadurasa. Mm -hmm. A bi-poll will ensure that he remains relevant. A general election will ensure that he may not be as important as he touted to be. Okay. Thank you for all your inputs, Anusha. It was great having you on the podcast and we love seeing your work. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So we just heard from Anusha about what's happening in Karnataka and she gave us a lot of inputs about what it is like for the BJP and for the Congress. But coming back to you guys with a big question, if you had to pick one name, only one name, who would be the next Congress president? Gaurav. Why am I always first? But uh, I think... Because you're the leader of the group. You're from Bombay. Okay. Bombay should lead it, no? Some weird pressure huh? early <laughs> into the week. <laughs> but uh, I think... Maybe Kunal can share the pressure with you. I think I'd go with Harur. I think he'd, he'd make a good uh, first first non-Gandhi face for the party. Just I think because he can speak fluent English? Yeah, Chari, he's privileged. Exactly, <laughs> he, that he is. Um, Kanal, who do you think that's, should that's, be the next that's Congress That's really leader? not an easy question. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I think the Congress also has to look at Just the fact. Just the name, no, Kanal. Yeah. <laughs> it's too difficult. <laughs> I, I, I pass. I pass on this. This is such a cop-out. No, I will not give the name. What if I am wrong? But if you have to pick someone. Let's just call it a lucky draw. I, I'd say... I'd say someone like uh, Ashok Gehlot, you know, someone who has electoral victories behind him, who's, you know, his own person as well, and who doesn't have to be seen as a pliant leader. Uh, Ashok Gehlot or one of the one of the chief ministers would, would fit the bill, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Even Captain Amarinder Singh, in fact. So, yeah, just to add to that, even I would have said Ashok Gehlot, but with that but whole, contro- but with the whole controversy with his didn't. son and all, that you don't give my son a ticket, then I'll quit the Congress quit kar dunga and also I think he lost some brownie points over there during... Uh, during the national Absolutely, election. but I feel like that's that's the Congress. He is the everyone's, old guard. Everyone's huh. promoting their sons and daughters. So Couple I, of yeah. them from the state. So like, you know, you have to give my son a ticket so that, you know, he yeah. can get into yeah. the party. So in my view, like he lost a couple of points in, in my opinion, at okay. least there. Basant? Who I think that Sachin Pilot would be better than Sachin Pilot. Sir said that Amrinder Singh. Amrinder Singh said that he should be made a young man. He has been in a तो सचिन पायलट का जो जो उनका राजस्थान में काम रहा जिस तरीके से पार्टी को उन्होंने एक हार के बाद उभारा है नए हैं शशि थरूर को इसलिए नहीं होना चाहिए कि शशि थरूर हिंदी बेहतर नहीं बोल पाते हैं कांग्रेस की स्थिति हिंदी बेल्ट में ज्यादा बुरी होते जा रही है बिहार यूपी 
तो जब तक आप कम, आपका जो संवाद है कम्युनिकेशन बेहतर नहीं होगा जनता से वो अंग्रेजी बोलेंगे अच्छे अच्छे लोगों को उनकी अंग्रेजी समझ में नहीं आती बिहार में या यूपी की यूपी के लोग कैसे समझेंगे बढ़िया नहीं बोल पाते उनकी हिंदी इतनी अच्छी नहीं है एक दो इंटरव्यू उन्होंने दिया है नहीं बोल पाते वो हिंदी राहुल गांधी नहीं बोल पाते हैं जब तो हमारी हिंदी के लिए क्या कहेंगे हम तो जेंडर बदल देते हैं तो फुल टपोरी वाला हिंदी है हिंदी नहीं लेकिन उनका तो कम से कम जो भी कांग्रेस पार्टी का अध्यक्ष बने उसकी भाषा बातचीत करने का जैसे प्रधानमंत्री हैं वो बातचीत से ही लोगों को अपनी तरफ आकर्षित कर लेते हैं वो डेढ़ घंटा बोल दे धूप हो तब भी लोग बैठ के सुनेंगे राहुल गांधी को लोग नहीं सुन पाते इतने घंटे नहीं है what is and you were mentioning you were drawing parallels between bjp making inroads in west bengal to what is happening in tripura could you tell us a little bit about the tripura assembly elections it's it's interesting because uh, you know we we've been hearing about this in west bengal but we've for the first time we've seen this happen in tripura under the bjp where uh, over 85% of the seats in the local gram panchayat elections have basically gone uncontested and the bjp's you know literally get a get a walk over yeah yeah it's getting a walk over because there's no candidates to oppose its candidates uh, now if you remember a few years ago i think a couple of years ago this happened in west bengal uh, except that the west bengal percentage was 30 34 percent, so 34 percent. Yeah, this is more than double the number, right? So 34 percent of uh, TMC candidates basically did not have a contest in front of them, and that matter reached the Supreme Court. You know where the Supreme Court said this is shocking, this can't be happening. Mm. Why is this happening? All of that. Now we are seeing this happen in Tripura within what three years of the BJP coming to power after 30 years of the left uh, ruling, mm-hmm. and I find that this is fascinating. You know, so it's it's maybe it's interesting to see what has happened to the left there, uh, its cadre, its organisation that it's completely you know not even wanting to contest these seats. Uh, so just two things on that. I mean, first it was I didn't read it until you mentioned it. So it I think is definitely very underreported. But the other question I had is why did it the matter in West Bengal? Why did it reach the courts? I am not very certain who uh, brought it to the courts, but I'm guessing it could be one of the opposition parties. You know, possibly the BJP or someone. If they didn't I mean, put up candidates to contest, why would they take it to the so, courts? It's their so, fault. No. So the argument there is that uh, the law and order of that state was in such a bad mess that the people at the grassroots were not confident of contesting against the ruling party, and hence were not applying to contest. Now, even in Tripura, uh, it's not that people have withdrawn their applications, which shows a kind of pressure. People mm-hmm. have not put in applications at all. Mm-hmm. so you know you see the clear writ of the state uh, you know running large on all of these people and that's interesting i feel yahi aap sir ne bataya ki logon mein itna dar tha trinamool ke logon ke prati kyunki jo bhi chunav lad raha tha wahan pe itni gundagardi ho rahi thi maar peet kiya ja raha tha kyunki logon ne chunav hi nahi lada sir aapne kashmir ko mention shayad nahi kiya kashmir mein bhi aisa hi hua hai jo kashmir mein panchayat chunav hua वहाँ पे बीजेपी के लोग ज़्यादातर जीते जिसको प्रधानमंत्री सरपंचों को बुला के मिले थे लेकिन प्रधानमंत्री ने ये नहीं देखा कि उनके खिलाफ कोई चुनाव ही नहीं लड़ा था वहाँ के लोगों ने वहाँ की पार्टियों ने बहिष्कार किया था चुनाव बीजेपी चुनाव लड़ी मैक्सिमम लोग निर्विरोध जीत गए मतलब कोई अपोजिशन में था ही नहीं चुनाव लड़ने वाला 
तो ये कश्मीर में भी हुआ पश्चिम कश्मीर में दूसरी स्थिति थी क्योंकि बाकी दलों ने उसका चुनाव का बहिष्कार कर दिया था हम नहीं लड़ेंगे बंगाल में टीएमसी का डर था त्रिपुरा वालों सर कहीं खबर देख ही नहीं रहे हम लोग बिल्कुल बहुत शॉकिंग है और ये इलेक्शन अब तक हुए नहीं है ये एंड ऑफ जुलाई में इलेक्शन है और हम इसकी रिपोर्टिंग नहीं देख रहे हैं सो आई फील लाइक दीज आर थिंग्स विच द मीडिया स्पेशली द नेशनल मीडिया कम्प्लीटली सॉर्ट ऑफ ग्लॉसेज ओवर puts the label as tyranny of distance i agree but moving on from this uh, pasand coming to you uh, what did you think the media underreported we spoke about assam floods we spoke about uh, droughted karnataka districts what did you think especially the hindi media what went underreported abhi ke samay mein hum jo hum dekh rahe hain ki youth shiksha ka bura hal apne desh mein ji बेरोजगारी है ही लेकिन पहली बार ऐसा हुआ है कि कुछ लड़के उत्तराखंड का उत्तराखंड के पिथौरागढ़ में शिक्षा के लिए लड़ाई लड़ रहे हैं उनको उनका आंदोलन जिसका नाम है शिक्षक पुस्तक देखिए 2019 है हम विश्वगुरु बनने की बात कर रहे हैं उत्तराखंड के उस कॉलेज का नाम है लक्ष्मण सिंह मेहर कॉलेज लक्ष्मण सिंह मेहर कॉलेज जो कुमाऊनी यूनिवर्सिटी से एफिलेटेड है सात स्टूडेंट हैं और 120 टीचर हैं 120 टीचर में से 60 परमानेंट हैं बाकी गेस्ट टीचर हैं जो दो चार महीने में आते जाते रहते हैं तो 7000 बच्चों पे सिर्फ 60 टीचर आप मान लीजिए कि 2000 में साल 2000 में उत्तराखंड का निर्माण हो गया लेकिन वहाँ पे जो किताबें मौजूद है लाइब्रेरी में उसमें अभी तक उत्तराखंड बना ही नहीं है सोवियत संघ का विघटन नहीं हुआ मतलब सोवियत संघ ब्रेक नहीं हुआ है तो आप बताइए किस तरीके का एजुकेशन हम दे रहे हैं वहाँ के मैंने इस पर स्टोरी किया और जहाँ तक नेशनल मीडिया की बात की जाए तो रविश कुमार ने प्राइम टाइम में इसको जगह दी है बाकी किसी मीडिया ऑर्गेनाइजेशन ने इस पर कवर नहीं किया आई थिंक आई डिड सी वन रिपोर्ट ऑन एन डी टी वी लाइक द डिजिटल कॉपी ऑन एन डी टी वी आई डोंट नो बट तो हाँ रविश के करने के बाद उन लोगों ने उसको राइटअप कर लिया होगा जी तो मेरा कहने का मतलब इसको क्यों किया जाना चाहिए था जिस ये खबर शायद बहुत बड़ी खबर नहीं है हमारे लिए लेकिन क्यों किया जाना चाहिए मैं जिस राज्य का रहने वाला हूँ बिहार का वहाँ छः साल लग जाते हैं आपको ग्रेजुएशन कंप्लीट करने में एग्जाम डेढ़ साल दो साल बाद फर्स्ट ईयर का एग्जाम दो साल बाद हुआ सेकंड ईयर का एग्जाम दो साल बाद हुआ इस तरीके से इसलिए बहुत सारे लोगों का प्लान होता है मैं भी बिहार में ग्रेजुएशन नहीं किया दिल्ली आके जामिया से किया इसलिए क्योंकि मैं छः साल अपना वहाँ गंवा नहीं सकता था तीन साल की जगह पर छः साल तो अगर इस न्यूज को हम लोग प्रमुखता देते तो मुमकिन है कि बिहार के लड़कों में या बाकी प्रदेश के लड़कों में जो जय श्री राम के नारे लगवाने के लिए किसी की हत्या कर रहे हैं और भीड़ बन के लोगों को मार रहे हैं उनके अंदर अपनी राइट्स को लेकर एक सवाल उठता कि यार हमारे यहाँ शिक्षा की नहीं है अब बिहार के मैं अपन एक महाविद्यालय की बात करूँ जहाँ पर पढ़ाई होती है बी ए वगैरह दो कमरों का बिल्डिंग है बिहार सरकार की यूनिवर्सिटी कॉलेज है वो दो कमरों में इतने बच्चे कैसे पढ़ पाएंगे लेकिन कोई सवाल आवाज नहीं उठा रहा मतलब तो यही है कि मुझे व्यक्तिगत रूप से ये लगता है कि अगर हम इसको कवर करते तो जो नौजवान हैं जो पढ़ाई कर रहे हैं वो शिक्षक की मांग उठाते उत्तर प्रदेश में शिक्षकों की काफी कमी है बिहार में शिक्षक है ही नहीं लंबे लंबे समय बाद शिक्षकों की भर्ती हो रही है तो मुझे लगता है कि इसलिए इस स्टोरी को किया जाना चाहिए था और एक नया आंदोलन है ये होना भी चाहिए जी आई हैव टू कमेंट्स एंड अ क्वेश्चन फॉर द पैनल फर्स्ट आई हैव बीन एन एजुकेटर फॉर टू इयर्स सो आई एम नॉट एन एक्सपर्ट बट व्हेन वी टॉक अबाउट एजुकेशन वाइल इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर इज इम्पॉर्टेंट आई डोंट थिंक यू कैन नॉट अचीव एन एजुकेशन विदाउट इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर वैन वी टॉक अबाउट टू रूम्स लाइक इवन इफ लेट्स ए यू हैव अ फुल फ्लैज टेन रूम टू स्टोरी फाइव स्टोरी बिल्डिंग इवन देन you might not get good education 
so this connection between infrastructure and education is a very tricky ground second thing i wanted to say was jab aap kehte hain ki ye jai shri ram nare lagane walon ko sort of you drew a correlation with education the most highly educated person can also be one person in that mob who's shrieking jai shri ram and going after a person because of their caste so education may or may not change the mindset that you come with is my opinion is pehle pehla jo sawal tha ki इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर होना क्यों जरूरी है मान लीजिए 500 बच्चे हैं आई अग्री इट्स इम्पॉर्टेंट बट आई एम सेइंग इट्स नॉट नेसेसरी कि आपको एजुकेशन तभी मिलेगा जब आपके पास इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर है जब तक बैठने के लिए जगह नहीं मिलेगा आपको अगर यहाँ पे लोग ज्यादा हो जाएं और सिस्टम कम हो लैपटॉप कम हो तो स्टोरी कैसे पब्लिश होगी नहीं हो पाएगी ना क्योंकि सिस्टम ही नहीं आपके पास तो जब आपके पास दो कमरा होगा पाँच सौ बच्चे हैं आप उसमें कैसे उन्हें बैठाएंगे नहीं बैठ पाएंगे ना वो तो इसलिए वो क्लास नहीं लेंगे तो ये सवाल होता है कि आपको इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर इसलिए जरूरी होता है ताकि बच्चे प्रॉपर रूप से बैठ जाएं और उनको अब 500 बच्चे क्लासरूम में आपने बैठा दिया एक टीचर जो पढ़ा रहा है वो 500 बच्चों तक कैसे अपनी बात पहुंचाएगा पाँच बच्चों का सवाल वो कैसे लेगा अगर साठ बच्चे कमरे में बैठते हैं तो साठ में से मुमकिन है कि दस का सवाल वो ले लेगा लेकिन पाँच बच्चों का सवाल कैसे लेगा और दूसरी बात आप हाँ बिल्कुल सही है कि अभी के समय में तो पढ़े लिखे लोग भी मॉब में शामिल हो जा रहे हैं लेकिन बहुत मुमकिन है कि थोड़ा तो बदलाव होता ओके हम थोड़े बदलाव की उम्मीद तो कर ही सकते हैं ओके सो द क्वेश्चन दैट आई हैड फॉर द पैनल व्हेन वी टॉक अबाउट हाइपर लोकल स्टोरी फॉर एग्जांपल दिस इज अ वेरी हाइपर लोकल स्टोरी देर आर सर्टन हाइपर लोकल स्टोरीज दैट द मीडिया पिक्स फॉर एग्जांपल द थाई केव रेस्क्यू इट वाज अ वेरी हाइपर लोकल स्टोरी बट देर आर सर्टन हाइपर लोकल स्टोरीज दैट द मीडिया इग्नोर्स फॉर एग्जांपल बस एंड थिंग्स दिस इज इंपॉर्टेंट दिस शुड हैव बीन कवर्ड देन देयर वर द माइनर्स इन मेघालय व्हिच did not get as much coverage as the thai cave rescue so what determines which hyper local story makes like huge headlines kunal i'd say one thing is class i'm 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 rather certain about the fact that class is one aspect that the media does look at when it's looking at looking at uh, what to cover so mm-hmm. for instance you mentioned these examples uh there's one more that you know ties in with our conversation as well mm-hmm. is the mumbai floods now mm-hmm. we've been talking about the mumbai floods so much but just when mumbai was flooding there was a, a collapse of a wall which killed about 25 or 27 slum dwellers you know media the, the media did not give it half the amount of outrage that it gave to the roads being flooded for instance which is bad mm-hmm. but i'm saying there are lives being lost so i feel like class is definitely a big uh, criteria what if the wall of antilla fell off that's mm-hmm. not possible it's it's literally not possible okay let's just assume it happens so what would be the media's reaction mm, i think uh, the local media would be there on the spot instantly and by that by default the national media would give it some space mm-hmm. i am doubtful if the media would even be allowed to cover this but but from outside because you want <laughs> even access inside the house but bahar se you can like uh, like mirror and midday all the lo- mm-hmm. hyper local newspapers that are there okay. they'd probably cover it but realistically if his wall falls down anyone's wall can fall down right like that is that is just not going to happen mm-hmm. it's yeah so basically classes entrenched in the veins of bombay why do we no. always keep it, doing this the, class and bombay synonymous he brought up class i'm just time. talking about mm. bombay because you the both are representing bombay <laughs> यार ऑल द रिच फोक्स लिवते 
not underreported, but there's this one particular story that is coming out of Bombay. Uh, it it also has a connection with the mm-hmm. Jharkhand lynching. In fact, me and Kunal were just talking about this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, these three boys who form a part of a TikTok group. Uh, they put out a very offensive video on TikTok about the Jharkhand lynching with mm-hmm. some audio edited in the background. And they were arrested by the Mumbai police who have also opposed their anticipatory bail. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know what the contents of the video are, but we know that it was meant to incite people or communities or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But this is a, it is a completely 360 degree different view of what is happening in Jharkhand when, when, when the Ansari lynching happened. Uh, you did not ever think that it's going to make it to a TikTok sort of platform, you know, because mm-hmm. that is probably a new level of insensitivity in my opinion. But TikTok is a platform where everything is published. Uh yeah, but now this this video has been taken down by TikTok, and mm-hmm. they had said that this is an offensive video, and we will make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. Funnily enough, the Bombay police, quote unquote, have said that we'll have to take action against any national or international media or platform that is responsible for this situation. Mm-hmm. So we might see a Madras sort of repeat with TikTok in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, actually, I wanted to ask the panel: Do you think? Do you guys use TikTok over here? Any of y'all? I I you I I do access it. I don't use it, but I do access it to see what's happening. I find it fascinating. Yeah, I find the crying. Has anyone seen the crying videos on TikTok mm. of like boys just weeping and like beating up walls? Basant has seen it clearly. Basant has clearly seen, seen it. Full on animation. Just roar, I think. Or three tootne wala na? Ha ha. But well, uh, my phone has no space, so sorry. Even your your basically your phone has no space for anime. For cartoons, for sport, <laughs> nothing, none of this. TikTok no, video, Facebook will be added. I have like a bar. very shitty phone. Please buy me an iPhone. I will download TikTok. Or ye 15 inch ka Mac jo pada hai samne. Wo meri bhen ne diya. Please, please honor gifts. But coming back to TikTok and hate crimes, uh, Kunal, you covered hate crimes in Jharkhand. Uh, I just wanted to get one line about like how do you categorize hate crimes when you are covering them. Could it just be? So, um, sorry, yeah, just go so. On. I've done most of my reporting with a fact checker, you know, and, and the fact checker has a very, very clear methodology uh, mm-hmm. where it looks at whether religion has been a driving factor in that hate crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, often, religion is not a driving factor, and we basically look at that as one of the big criteria. So, if it's not religion, it's not hate crime. It's not no. So, if it's not religion, it's not a religious-driven hate crime, which okay. is what the database basically tries to capture. Uh, there are of course different kinds of hate crimes. Uh, there are also caste hate crimes, but the database doesn't capture it. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're very clear that this is what we capture, mm-hmm. and the rest we don't. That's one of the things that we look at. And also, uh, your thoughts on media's coverage of hate crimes, whether you think it has been sensitive enough in its reportage, the kind of language it uses, the kind of pictures that are put out, and if Gaurav and Basan want to weigh in, then we can move on to the recommendations. A uh, couple of things. Firstly, I don't think hate crimes are really given the kind of space that they should be in the sense that uh, the media often looks at them as events that have happened, you know. So you cover the event and then you leave those villages and then you go back to your mm-hmm. cities, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a hate crime lives on. Mm-hmm. There's a there's an afterlife of a hate crime. This uh, is so important. Yeah, and I don't think the media has, you know, the bandwidth to actually observe. So a lot of times what I see is, uh, you know, in my series, I've, I've basically gone back to villages where hate crimes have happened after, you know, a few years ago. And then the the changes that I see in those villages, you know, where I see that the communities have now, let's say the Muslim community, for instance, a lot of the houses have, you know, been empty because they've all left 
the village there's a kind of animosity that grows you know old friendships start mm-hmm. uh, breaking down so there's all of this that happens which we which actually goes on you know under mm-hmm. the radar we, we're never looking at all of that but in media's defense before gaurav and basant you both come in is i mean the media did launch like a section of the media two organizations launched the hit tracker india spenders also trying to do some good work but i mean the backlash that they face not all media organizations have the resources the capacity or let's say the spine to stand up to this backlash basant gorov whoever wants to take the question so kunal uh, there was this particular story that i did last year it was the murder of this rti activist called kedar singh jindan in himachal pradesh where he was run over by a truck in the middle of the market and all uh, it's it's it must be really important for to cover the aftermath of the situation you know so i completely get when you say that the story lives on over there and friendships might be breaking down or whatever it is but isn't the media also like a little tied in a certain way as to there's only so much that you can do you know given that uh, you have like limited resources everyone has limited resources i'm not i'm not just talking about independent media or independent journalists even legacy media has certain limitations so uh, how long can you track one story you know or how long does one story just live on in a particular region so if i can just quickly respond i completely agree and i think every story lives on in some way or the other right for for instance in that case the activist there the struggle of the family etc would be a story in itself what i feel is india is currently going through a, a very interesting but a very important phase in its in its life mm-hmm. you know where we're seeing that kind of churning happening we're seeing hate crimes manifesting themselves so much more uh, which is why i feel like at this point in time in our history we need more resources to try and capture what's happening here mm-hmm. uh, these are not one off events that happen mm-hmm. there's a there's a lead up to the event and there's also an afterlife and i feel like we're missing the point when we don't capture both of them and when we only capture the event looking at that significance the social political economic significance of a hate crime i feel like there are more resources that need to be dedicated to that okay bas uh, sir main ye janna chahta hu ki aap jharkhand mein जो हेड क्राइम बढ़ रहा है अठारह मर्डर अब तक हो चुके हैं इस तरीके के अभी विधानसभा चुनाव भी है झारखंड में क्या आपको लग रहा है कि इसके पीछे कुछ पॉलिटिकल चीज़ें हो क्योंकि निशिकांत दुबे ने गोड़ा में उनका स्वागत किया था इनके पूर्व वित्त राज्य मंत्री जयंत सिन्हा ने गोहत्या के आरोपियों का स्वागत किया था तो आपको लगता है कि जो राजनीतिक रूप से उनको सुरक्षा मिल रही है उस वजह से भी ये बढ़ रहा है और इसके कुछ पोलिटिकल माइलेज भी लेने की कोशिश हो रही है क्या बिल्कुल बिल्कुल दो चीज़ें हैं एक तो कि मैंने ये देखा है कि काफ़ी सारी पॉलिटिकल और सोशल ऑर्गेनाइजेशंस मोबिलाइज़ करती हैं लोगों को इन द लीड अप टू अ हेट क्राइम और जब वो हिट क्राइम हो जाता है उसका फ़ायदा भी ये लोग उठा लेते हैं जैसे पोलराइज करना वहाँ गांव में जाके थोड़ा सा और बवाल करना ये हिंदू मुसलमान हो गया आई हैव ऑफन सीन क्राइम्स विच आर एक्चुअली नॉट हिट क्राइम्स बट इट्स जस्ट दैट यू नो द द विक्टिम इज़ इधर अ हिंदू और अ मुस्लिम एंड दी अक्यूज इज़ इज़ ऑल्सो फ्राम दी ऑपोजिट कैटेगरी एंड एंड यू नो ऑल ऑफ दिस ग्रुप्स गो देर वहाँ जाते हैं वहाँ बवाल खड़ा करते हैं और उसको हिंदू मुस्लिम का नाम दे देते हैं सो देर आर टू वेज इन विच दिस इज़ यूज पोलिटिकली एंड आई सी दैट दिस विल यू नो यू saw the jharkhand results as well uh, bjp has swept the polls in jharkhand to ye to matlab aapko dikh hi raha hai ki iske electoral benefits aayenge hi aayenge i think this sort of brings us there's so much more i want to ask and discuss when it comes to this uh, but uh, this is where we close the podcast just one final question we were discussing this in the last podcast that when it comes to hindus being attacked uh there's very little coverage from the media what are your thoughts on that do you think there's any merit to this argument 
I mean, the organizations I worked with, we are very at least they are very clear that we don't do we don't discriminate between who is the victim here. The only thing that we look at is whether it's a religion-driven hate crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like if there is religious animosity which is driving that crime against the Hindu, then it deserves to be covered. Mm-hmm. I don't see why there would be a bias against it. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think there's one thing that we must be mindful about is that uh, there is a lot of apparatus which is you know in many states like UP, mm-hmm. Jharkhand, ruled by the BJP where the apparatus of the state is is more aligned towards protecting one community and and prosecuting the other mm-hmm. so as journalists we must also be aware of the power dynamics at place so from what i am getting is uh, given talking about the quantity of coverage the crimes against the hindu majority are lesser is probably why we see lesser media coverage would i be accurate in saying that i think i think so that i think that's a fair point to make yeah okay thank you for weighing in on that kunal uh, gorav do you want to share your recommendation yeah it's uh, this opinion piece in the new york times that came out day before yesterday it's called uh, india's terrifying water crisis by meera subramaniam it uh, brings to light how not only it's not only karnataka and maharashtra that is reeling under the water crisis and it talks about the bleak future of india where you know we are seriously going to face a very very serious serious water shortage problem that we cannot be ignoring anymore basant aapka kya recommendation rahega sopan joshi hai jo paravaran pe unka kafi acha kaam raha hai जर्नलिस्ट भी रहे हैं उनकी किताब है जल थल मल जिस तरीके से भारत में भी पानी की समस्या है बाढ़ अभी तो बाढ़ आया हुआ है लेकिन पानी की समस्या काफ़ी तेज़ी से बढ़ रही है किस तरीके से हम पानी को बचा सकते हैं और पानी का इतिहास क्या रहा है उसको लेकर काफ़ी बेहतरीन किताब है राजकमल पब्लिकेशन से प्रकाशित हुई है तो इसे पढ़नी चाहिए काफ़ी अच्छी किताब है Unfortunately, we couldn't discuss uh, the reportage on Bareilly couple, which Pasan thinks was overreported, but missed the nuance that it should have. And Parikshit will put a recommendation at the bottom of the description, which you can read to get more information about what happened. Uh, Kunal, do you have a recommendation for our readers? Um, I mean, because we were discussing the hate crimes, uh, there's a fascinating book which you know t- talks about the Gujarat uh, riots, uh, and it looks at the life of three people uh, who were basically instigators and you know carried out the riots. Uh, it's called the Anatomy of Hate by Revati Lal. Mm-hmm. I would seriously recommend people go out and read this to understand better the life of someone who's carrying out hate crimes. Manisha also did an interview with Revati Lal, so you can check that out on newslaundry.com. Also, guys, if you all are listening to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Castbox, or any other podcast app, please do visit our website www.newslaundry.com to check out the other cool stuff that we've been doing as well. Yes, like the interviews, and my recommendation is a podcast by Amit Verma. I'm still on the fence about how I feel about this podcast, but it is episode one twenty four of the Seen and the Unseen. It's religion and ideology in Indian society. I mean, I think. he's a little overrated because this is the only podcast i have heard so i think my sample pool is very small but i didn't quite think he lived up to what he's been built up to his image and the quality of podcast so that's my recommendation do write to us if you have any feedback about our podcast what your thoughts about 
uh, on the recommendations or discussions and if there's any brickbats or if you want us to improve you can write to us at contact at newslaundry.com or you can write to me at cherry at newslaundry.com also dear listeners the media rumble is happening on the august 2nd and the 3rd it is one of its kind forum for journalists you'll be able to interact with some of the best media professionals and get tips tricks and hacks about how to make it in this tricky space among other amazing things we are introducing resources for journalists which would include a bunch of presentations and workshops that will equip journalists with tools and services that can help them with the job this includes presentations on digital security and presentations and workshops on public health reporting and making sense of government fiscal data and budget so do buy the tickets before we are sold out also remember please pay to keep news free independent and azad because only you can help us survive uh you can also help us by putting a word out about this amazing fantastic super interesting podcast <laughs> done by young reporters you can tweet with hashtag reporters without orders and i hope you subscribe thank you guys thanks thank you so much thank you, thank you. happy subscribing all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.